From Relay FM, this is Virtual, episode number 44. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, Mike. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I feel like um, the summer is continuing its its descent on Italy, but I'm surviving. My my AC is, is continuing to work, so fingers crossed, I'm alive. I, I, it's very cool in my house, uh, so yeah. That's not a bad situation you got going on then. How, how's, uh, how's your bedroom, Mike? It's not bad. Uh, there's no there's no spider attack today. Um, okay. The the temperature is okay. I had the window open before we recorded, so it's relatively okay in here. I've got the door open. It's not too hot here today, though. It's not too mm. hot. We got we got like a twenty five degree Celsius day, so it's like a regular summer day. So do you use Celsius? For the temperature or the other one? We use Celsius, not Fahrenheit. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. I don't want to get into the whole debate on what's better. Yeah. just wanted to know. But for me, uh, what makes sense for Celsius is freezing is zero, boiling is 100. That just makes logical sense in my brain. Yeah, but, but other people say it doesn't, so... I know, there's like the Kelvin thing and mm. all that stuff that I don't understand, but in my simple science brain... Mm-hmm. Zero and one hundred make sense to me. Yeah, zero to one hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mike, I have some links for you. That's what I love. You know, in the in the summer, in the summer, video game video game news are a bit slower. Maybe uh, you know after E three, but I still I still got some some cool stuff that I want to discuss with you. So the first one is a video. It's a, it's a video for the NES controller, and uh, it's a fifteen minute. YouTube video and it goes really in depth in the details of what made the NES controller really special and kind of all the technicalities and the, the the industrial design that Nintendo back in the early 80s when they were designing the the, the NES and the Famicom of course in Japan uh, all these de- details and and little tricks that they had to employ to make the controller great but also cheap to uh, you know to 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 build and uh, at a scale especially considering the success of the NES um, so in this video which is really technical in in many in many points yeah there's uh, lots really... of like schematic drawings and stuff yeah, there's a guy with a with a. At one point, there's like an actual drawing of all the pins and the connectors. Uh-huh. Uh, but the the the, the gist is uh, a couple of bullet points. Uh, he uses a very long cable, which was unusual for uh, home consoles back at the time, according to the to the to the author of the video. And what Nintendo did is they used a microchip inside so a piece of silicon inside the controller which was also unusual for for the time and the reason why they did this was to uh it's because it had become cheaper to use a piece of silicon in the early 80s so nintendo which we know has always been on a path to produce um you know for for many units of consoles that use seemingly new technologies but those are actually very cheap to manufacture and so the use of the silicon and the microchip controller inside the the, the gamepad um, and allowed Nintendo to cut you know some costs to, for instance, uh, all the buttons that the controller had. Uh, they, they were eight points of 
contact, you know, and but instead they use only seven pins. And so the, the video is very technical, it explains all these problems that Nintendo had to face, and also kind of if you look at the if you look at the controller, it looks like an, an engineer explaining the controller, which it is. But it also kind of, I feel like it tells the way the Nintendo approaches making new um, products for people who don't know about technology, but to make that stuff really cheap behind the scenes and to make sure it's, it's, it's accessible and the costs can go down over time. It's really smart. And Nintendo has always uh, used this kind of philosophy uh, to make the most of old technologies and to make the most of cheap components, you know, yeah. uh, because that's where the profits are. So Nintendo's always been clever from this point of view, at least. The next one, also speaking of old Nintendo stuff. This is uh, one of the weirdest news stories I've seen this year. This was really, really strange. So, um, it's a very rare and basically uh, impossible to find. Uh, Sony, PlayStation, SNES has finally been found. So, what's the deal with the Sony, PlayStation, Super Nintendo console? Um, the, the Sony PlayStation, the first PlayStation, originally was meant to be an, an accessory, an add-on to the SNES, which would add um, a, compact, a compact disc player, so a CD support, to the cartridge-based Super Nintendo. And Sony was collaborating with Nintendo, and they had an announcement at the Consumer Electronics Show, I think in 1991 or 1992. Um, and the following day, because of a falling out between the two companies, the project was cancelled, and Sony was so upset that they chose to make their own console, which, because of this, you know, um, disagreement between the two companies, the PlayStation was born, the PlayStation we actually know, and the video game industry changed forever. So if only Nintendo and Sony could find a way uh, to collaborate, the video game scene today would very much be different. Um, but instead, we ended up with these 200 prototypes of the Sony PlayStation SNES, which were ordered to be destroyed. And it turns out that this guy, Dan Diebold, um, is a, an American guy from, I don't know, from Philadelphia, I think. Um, he found in his dad's attic <laughs> uh, this old console. And the story is very, very strange. So his dad used to work for a company whose CEO used to work at Sony Interactive, which was the the, the Sony uh, branch that was working with Nintendo back in the early 90s. So his dad was a maintenance guy for this new company with this person that used to be the CEO of Sony Interactive. And in the, in the storage units... Uh, when this other when this other company basically closed down, they had to throw out all this garbage. And between you know all these things in this new company called Advanta Corporation, uh, is that as a as a thing for keeping old stuff? And he found this Sony PlayStation SNES, and he decided to keep it. And he told his son about this console. Uh, he, this Dan guy actually knew about this console for many years, but his dad couldn't take a proper picture to send him, you know, uh, and to show to the world. So a couple of weeks ago, he went back to the States, to his hometown, and he finally 
made this video and these pictures uh, of the Sony PlayStation SNES and the Twitter and Reddit went crazy. Over. There are so many things I don't understand about this console. Like, why is it not Nintendo branded anywhere? It's just Sony branded. But it's so a super, strange. But it's a SNES controller with the Sony, with the PlayStation. Sony PlayStation logo on it. It's so, but, so but weird. The PlayStation logo has the NES logo, SNES logo on it. You know, like the four little circles. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's a prototype and things were unfinished. And like at one point, uh, this happened, I think, early last week. A few people were saying this is a, you know, this is fake. This is a, like a yeah. modded console. This is a very elaborated fake. But it, it seems that it's that it's not a fake. There's a, another, there were a couple of videos from this guy on YouTube showing the console. There's, there's no power adapter. There's no cables. There's no games. So the console... Uh, he hasn't been able to turn it on yet uh, because it, do- it doesn't want to use like a random power cable. Um, but for instance, Engadget showed the pictures and the video to Sony's uh, Shuhei Yoshida and he he didn't confirm or deny... He did the... as good as confirming as you could it, get. Yeah, He basically. told a story about it, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, he confirmed it. Because he yeah. could have just said, no, that's not it. But he basically said he played it. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he said, oh, I was at Sony back in 1992 and I played some games on it, but I cannot either confirm or deny the existence of this console. Basically, he confirmed that it's the real deal. So it's a, an, another another long-time video game industry mystery finally solved. You know, I feel like after the E.T. cartridges buried by Atari in the New Mexico desert, <laughs> I feel like this yeah. is another mystery that finally comes, you know, to the public and... We know the Sony PlayStation actually uh, with the Nintendo uh, as a Nintendo accessory actually ex- existed and there were prototypes. Maybe there are a few more around. We don't know. There's got to be. Like, I, I think I it said that 200 of them were made, right? They will be around somewhere. You know that like in like five years time, someone's going to find one at like a flea market or something. Yeah. Or maybe, I mean... Maybe someone will finally be able to play some games on it because you can, I don't you can... understand why he's not just getting a power adapter for it. I don't know. If he he said, "I don't want to fry the console with the random adapter," mm. I feel you like know? it's worth it. Yeah, worth I mean, shot. what else are you gonna do? Exactly. If, like, if, if you, you don't ever, find... if you don't ever power it up, then it might as well be fried. Yeah, you never know. I mean, if if you can, you imagine finding one of these. Like in your parents' house, <laughs> I mean, I would stick any cable I found into, you know. So this is the thing, like, like that guy. If I found that, I wouldn't know what it was. Like, I would look at it and be like, "What is this? Like, is it some it's like sort a fake of Chinese PlayStation?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like clearly they got it wrong because they called it the place. Yeah, it would be really super weird. You what know, a strange um, thing to find. Speaking of, yeah, it's super strange. But speaking of knockoffs, um, when I was, I just remember when I was, uh, when I was younger. Um, and the PlayStation was kind of uh, starting to become popular in Italy. We ended up having all sorts of crazy Chinese knockoffs of sure. the PlayStation. And one that was really popular and that you could buy for the equivalent of, I guess, 15 euros today um, was called the, the Poly Station. I and think I remember this. This sounds like the, something that I've heard of before. Yeah. The Poly Station used to be, you could buy one at the supermarket really cheap. And it, it was basically like this gray box. 
and you would buy the PlayStation, and it had like 50 or maybe 100 pre-installed games on it. The problem is, and it even had like a fake PlayStation controller. Yeah, I remember. Uh, but, it looked just like the PS One, the little yeah. one. But when you when you try to play games on it, you couldn't like put cartridges or CDs inside. Inside there was like a f- like fake Super Nintendo games, like fake Super Mario, like two D games, sixteen bit games, like fake Super Mario, fake Zelda, fake Kirby. I remember Tetris, of course, and a bunch of old like Mame emulator games, and it was super illegal. But everybody was selling the PlayStation, so I remember that you know parents who couldn't afford to buy a PlayStation for their for their children would just buy a PlayStation and the, the 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 kid I had a few friends who ended up owning a PlayStation they were really disappointed you know because it was clearly like the fake option uh like I relate to those parents because you know you don't know what the PlayStation is and maybe you know you can't spend all that money because the PlayStation was expensive and you have this thing for like 15 euros so whatever you just buy a PlayStation but it was really awful. And I, of course, I didn't have a PlayStation, but a close friend of mine had a PlayStation. And in in later years, um, we used to we used to play PlayStation games just to laugh at the b- yeah. insanely bad quality of those games. It was really it was really a party starter, you know. To yeah, <laughs> the PlayStation, <laughs> fantastic. This reminds me of a story. It's not about games, but about the iPhone. When I used to work in uh, the bank. Uh, and this is just after the original iPhone had come out, and I had one, right? Um, but not a lot of people had them because they cost six hundred pounds, and mm-hmm. then a contract. Like you had no choice. This is what you were paying, and then you were also going to get the contracts. And people weren't buying them. Um, and uh, one of my colleagues went on holiday to Mexico, uh, and he came home with a like a Japanese knockoff or whatever, like a Chinese oh, knockoff. Man of the iPhone and it looked ish like it, right? Like it had like the silver body and the black band on it. Like it, you know, it looked okay, but it had some like really weird operating system and it had a stylus as well to a use sty- it. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was like a PDA. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was a, f- it, yeah, it was more like a PDA than a phone. I actually don't know if it had phone functionality, but it was one of those scenarios where like, the guy would tell me why it was better, like it was a no. better iPhone. Oh, God. And like he would tell me because it had a stylus and because he could plug it into his Windows PC and put his oh, music on it. Oh, he could do spreadsheets. <laughs> well, no, you could like plug it in and like download MP3s onto it, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and it was just like one of those scenarios where I'm like, you are an idiot. Like, <laughs> you are just an idiot. You know, because, like, like, oh, this is way better. Look what it does. And it was like, oh, God. And he would sit there, like, tapping away with his stylus. Oh, and he'd have his actual, so happy. Yep. And then he'd have his, like, other phone next to him or whatever because it but wouldn't accept this is not the This is not the same guy with the Dreamcast dad, is it? <laughs> it sounds like it, actually. No, it's not. It's not Dreamcast dad guy. That guy was from school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, PlayStation, so many memories. Um, Speaking of real PlayStation games, 
I'm very happy about this mic. Journey, uh, the that game company's uh, award-winning fantastic video game came out in 2012 on PlayStation 3. It's coming out on PlayStation 4 on July 21st. I'm really happy because I never played this game. I know Do you the know Don't what happens? Uh, no. Yeah, see, that's I the thing. I'm spoiled. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm so. not spoiled. I, I, I stood away from all kinds of rumors and spoilers on Twitter and Google over the years. I never I've, actually looked on the Wikipedia page of Journey I've to avoid to spoilers. Podcasts and stuff, no, so I didn't. I, I have, so, so I know what I know what Journey is all about. I've spoiled so, it for myself. I don't know why you, I did that. So, do you think I'm in for for a tweet? It's is it a good game? Am I, am I gonna enjoy this, Mike? Yeah, you will. Okay. Yeah, I can't wait. I never... I mean, uh, that game company, um, I loved Flower. Uh, I played on the Vita two years ago. Uh, I I don't know what Journey is like as a game. I just watched the ter- the trailer. I, I, I know what the game... Like, I know that the game exists, and I know that many people love it. Like, again, John Syracuse is a very huge fan of this game. Um, but I never actually looked it up, and I'm happy, you know? Yeah. I'm kind of jealous because I I listened to the stuff because I didn't think I'd ever play it because I don't own a PS3, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now they're doing the remaster, so I've kind of spoiled it for myself. But I'm happy that you'll get to play it because apparently yeah. it's very 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 good. It sounds great. I, I you know it comes out in a couple of weeks. I'll probably pick it up um, just to play, but I'm not going to have the same experience that you'll have. Yeah, yeah. And you know, even owners of the um, digital copy on PlayStation Three. Uh, can do the cross-buy and download it for free on PS4. Oh, nice. So that's a good deal. Yeah. Um, last link that I saved for you, and I know that you're going to enjoy this. Uh, Minecraft Story Mode is a new game set in the Minecraft universe, uh, developed by Telltale Games. Uh, these are the guys that make the... Walking um, Dead. Yes, the Walking Dead beta games. So it's an episodic adventure with the story mode, the main character called Jesse. Um, I'm not sure, like, if you look, if you watch the trailer, there's a there's a contrast between the seemingly epic story and the voiceover. It's really well done. The acting is really well done. But then you look at the at the Minecraft characters and those faces. <laughs> I don't know. It feels very odd to me, Mike. They're making a bit of a joke out of it, which is the right way Probably. to do it. You know, yeah. be a bit self-referential like the Lego games are, you know, like accepting mm. the fact that this looks weird. Um, I'm not massively excited about this. Mm. Uh, I really, really enjoyed The Walking Dead. Um, and I've played some other Telltale stuff and they really know how to tell a great story. But I just am not attached to Minecraft as a storytelling experience. Like yeah, right. the great thing about Minecraft is you make your own story. Um, so I'm I'm in I'm intrigued because I basically if any other company was doing this, I would write it off because it's like what's the point? But Telltale are really good at what they do. But there's going to be so many of the elements about Minecraft that you love will not be in this game. Uh, so I'm intrigued to see how they how it turns out. Um, uh, I hope that it's done with love and care and not for a payday. You know, like this is a Mojang decision, not a Microsoft decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. But I'm, I'm sure, I'll, depending on how people take to it, I'll check it out because I like their work. But 
I don't know. I don't know yet. The tra- I watched the trailer. It seemed fine. It, you know, it kind of is what I expected, but I, I'm just a little bit, I don't know if this is what we need. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to wait and see, I think. Yeah. You ever played any Telltale games? Never. I don't watch The, the Walking Dead. You don't need to, though. Mm. It's not about... It. What happens in The Walking Dead game has got no bearing to the comics or the TV show. It is a game that is set in that world. It's worth playing. Huh. It's very gripping storytelling. To, yeah, I need to check it out. Yeah, I know that many people love it. Yeah. So if you say I don't need to, to watch the series... You don't need to know anything. All you need to know is oh. that there are zombies. Oh, okay, so, yeah. I can, I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Teach, let me take a quick break and thank our first sponsor for this week's episode, and then we'll go on. I've got a couple of things that I want to talk to you about as well. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. With Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do your work. You can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates from your phone as you're leaving the client's site, and access the latest version of that great presentation from home in your pajamas if you want to, and nobody will know, and this is what Igloo allows you to do. These days, everybody is mobile, everybody likes to be flexible, and your work and your internet should be too. This is what Igloo gives you. People are increasingly bringing in their outside apps, their own apps into companies these days and putting their sensitive documents and their work stuff all over the place. It's scattered everywhere. It causes problems with security. Nobody knows where projects are. You go to a presentation and Bob thinks it's this version, but you've got this version because it's in your Dropbox. That's a mess. Igloo allows you to sort this out. You can integrate services like Box, Google Drive and Dropbox into Igloo and create one big, easy to secure, easy to use, platform. They use 256-bit encryption, single sign-on and Active Directory integration. If you know what that stuff is, you'll know just how safe and secure Igloo is. But they also have their own uh, document preview engine, so you can share files with your co-workers for you all to collaborate on. You can track these with red receipts, so you know who's exactly has looked at a document, and you can say, oh, right, that person's seen it, that corporate policy document has been seen by Bob and Mary and Sue and Andy, so we know we're all on the same page of this. That's really, really useful. Rather than going around from desk to desk, or sending out a round-robin email to try and collect up who has seen the new information. Igloo is also really customizable, and you can make it look however you want, function however you want. It is an internet that is designed to make you feel like you actually want to use it. It's time to break away from the internet that makes you pull your hair out every single day. Go and sign up for Igloo right now, and if you are a team with under 10 people, it's free for as long as you want. You can try it out, any team up to 10 people, for as long as you want, for free. It's a great deal. Go and check it out for yourself. You've got nothing to lose. Sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash virtual. And thank you to Igloo for being such a great supporter of this show and Relay FM. So, Mike, um, I know we've talked about this before, uh, but there was an article this week that I read that, that I think it was interesting, and I want to discuss this with you again. The end of the Wii U. Yep. We've, we've gone the, over this many, many times before. There was this article on Wired by Chris Kohler, and he argues that based on what Nintendo announced, or rather didn't announce at E3 a few weeks ago, we could assume that maybe the Wii U end is closer than we think, and that maybe the NX, uh, the, the, the future Nintendo console, is coming a bit early than expected. And the main reason for this assumption is... Uh, before E3, Nintendo never actually said that DNX was uh, the next home console, as they called it at E3. They were just saying a dedicated gaming device. So going from dedicated gaming device, which could mean anything really, 
to na next home console is pretty much of an explanation of the, what DNX is going to be. And also, an interview with Metroid Prime producer, and this is really dear to me, Kensuke Tanabe, <laughs> said that a new Metroid Prime title, so not the fake one, you know, the 3DS one, but, but, the, real <laughs> but the real Metroid Prime maybe would rather appear on DNX rather than on the Wii U. And again, he said we that. know. Yeah. Okay. And we know that. Uh, there were basically no Wii U games at E3. The 3DS catalog was also a bit, you know, very slim. And we we discussed the possibility of Nintendo facing, you know, with the with the new Zelda game they're working on, another scenario that happened before with the with the GameCube and the Wii, uh, a new Zelda game coming out late in the in the in the history of this new console, which would could be delayed to appear as a debut title on the next Nintendo console. So a Zelda game coming in late in the cycle of the Wii U would kind of make sense as a launch title for DNX and would also maybe explain the delay because Nintendo is maybe gearing up to kind of make the game look better. I don't know. This is all speculation. But still, there is a discussion we, we should be having about the merits of the Wii U and where Nintendo failed, and what they learned from the Wii U, and what they could do to make the next home console better. So the more I kept thinking about this, and the more I come back to the fact that Nintendo is now in a tough position, right? Because they had, they basically had to announce uh, that they're working on mobile games, and. You know, the tech industry and the video game industry were all kind of pressuring Nintendo to start trying, um, you know, mobile games. Because, you know, fewer people are buying, especially portable consoles. And on the other on the other end of the video game industry, there's all these other companies trying VR and these new experiences. And in the middle, there's the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. And the, the Xbox One started as, an, as a sort of a, a media experiment, you know, to kind of reinvent the living room with video games and TV and all these other content strategies that Microsoft want, wanted to do. And basically, in, in just two years, Microsoft completely changed their vision and kind of started to reapproach the true core game gamers you know the gaming community and of course sony has been doing that with the playstation since the beginning um so nintendo is basically in, in a very weird position i think because they have this dedicated fan base very loyal to nintendo but they also wanna to, want to to reach new customers of course so they're doing mobile games and, but we don't know to what extent they'll be doing mobile games. So I'm thinking, what does Nintendo need to do with the NX? And I wanted to ask you, uh, because you also own a Wii U, yeah. um, do you think that maybe between all the, 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 the mistakes and the failures, you know, there's something about the Wii U which could inform the next home console? Hmm. I ain't gonna burn it to the ground. <laughs> I don't think that I personally don't think that there are any good lessons to be learned from the Wii U. It is not a bad console, specifically. There is nothing about it that is like because it is an improvement over the Wii, um, in many many ways. It is just 
unmarketable. You cannot market that console. You just can't do it. There is no interesting story to tell which can compel people to buy one because lots of people know about the Wii and it just looks like a new controller for the Wii. Like That is the problem. You cannot really show what is going on. It's the same problem with the 3DS. Can't mm-hmm. You can't put an ad for the 3DS on the TV and have it explain what the console is actually doing because you need to be able to see it. I think that I think that the only thing, and we spoke about this so many times, but I'm going to keep saying it over and over again, Nintendo need to build a 2015 games console. That's what they need to build. Hmm. So you mean from like a more powerful console, a console that's easier for developers to approach because there's like, I feel like there's the consumer aspect, which is that Wii U isn't as powerful as a PlayStation 4 and the developer aspect, which is if you want to make games for Nintendo consoles, it's really different, you know, because you can make a game for mobile devices and you build the game basically once and you can release it on the iPhone, on the iPad and on Android devices, on the Mac, you know, with all these shared technologies and, you know, and all yeah. these developer frameworks. And on the home consoles, we, we, we see so many games doing the cross-platform stuff, you know, you, you're releasing on the PC, on the PlayStation 4, on the Xbox One because Sony and Microsoft really wanted to make it easier for developers to, you know, who are accustomed to PC architectures to make games for home consoles. And Nintendo, I feel like I feel like I agree with you. There's very little that from the Wii U specifically that they could learn. There's only one aspect that I would kind of talk about, which would be the gamepad. And now the gamepad is I mean Nintendo's done a terrible job at marketing the gamepad. Mm. But I feel like the basic idea of being able to switch a game from the TV to your hands and let someone else in your house watch the TV, I feel like that idea should be saved. I don't know how. Yeah, but no, but both Microsoft and Sony have their own ways of doing this. Kinda. But yeah, you know. It, it, so you know, with Microsoft, any Windows device can stream Xbox games, including tablets. Yeah, but but you need a tablet. Yeah, I know. And you know, and with with Microsoft uh, with Sony, you get a Vita. I know that you need to have additional hardware, but yeah. for the people that really want that in their lives, which I actually don't think is many, like really need it or want it, there are ways you can do it. Um, I think that it's a nice to have mm. thing, but I don't think that it is uh, essentially a selling point enough. To, to drive yeah, for sure. sales. It's just a nice thing. I think, whilst I agree with you that it's a cool thing to have, if Nintendo continue to want to build a console that is based around that as a big selling point, then they're still missing the mark. Because the gamepad, just as another screen, doesn't make sense. Like Because it needs to have functionality to it. And it's like it's kind of being wasted... In, at the same, whilst it's adding that func- whilst it's adding that feature of allowing you to play on the other screen, if that's all it's doing, then what's the point of it being there in the first place? You know, like it mm. takes up basically the gamepad is there and makes the controller uncomfortable, and actually makes the controller itself worse. And then if all you're doing is allowing it to see what's on the TV, and it's not actually adding functionality to the game 
that's kind of a failure of the of the gamepad in my mm. opinion whilst i agree that it is cool and there are games where like for example i would like to be able to play splatoon on the gamepad like i want it because it would be cool to have but essentially that makes the fact of making so many uh tough choices and so many bad so many compromises with the game with the having a gamepad in the first place if all you're doing with it is just replicating the tv it feels mm. like a kind of wasted opportunity yeah, I Does, am I making sense? No, 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 it totally makes sense. I just feel like uh, the, the, when you said that it, it, it is nice to have, but I feel like a lot of people don't know they would like this feature because they don't know it, it, it is possible or there, it exists. And I, this is all anecdotal experience from me. But every time I explain and show the Wii U to friends, they said, oh, it's, it's so cool that I can go from the TV to the gamepad and let you know uh, my partner or a friend or you know family members watch the tv so i you know we don't need to fight over who controls the screen that's nice to have but i feel like it that like you said it can't be the only selling point of a console but at least explain it to people you know if you want to keep it uh, as a feature as an option of a console but i feel like the bigger problem uh, at least one of the bigger problems is when you try to compare the experience of just buying games on a Nintendo console, a, a simple action that everybody does, I want to buy a game, or I want to set up a console with my games, when you compare that to what you have on the, even on the PlayStation Network, which is often, you know, we, we make fun of the PSN because of, of its unreliability many times. But when you, when you go to your account page, and you see all your games, and you can buy them from a browser, or you can re-download them at any time, you can buy them without installing them, and then when you get a console, you just re-download them. And even better, compare that to the Google Play Store or the App Store. All your games in your account, you just buy once, it's all on your devices, and for a parent or for someone who wants to set up a console in the house, you don't have to go over these complex procedures, you know, with network IDs and, you know, Nintendo is kind of doing cross-buy now. Um, I, just a few weeks ago, I bought the Super Smash DLC with Ryu and um, Roy for Super Smash Brothers, And I, I chose to go with the cross-buy option to have the DLC on my 3DS and the Wii U. And... Did you know that when you do that, it's not as easy as saying, okay, I go to the eShop on my 3DS and then when I go to the Wii U, it's already there. Or at least I just have to go to the eShop on the Wii U and I just hit download because it's not automatic. And I could understand that. Instead, what you have to do is you go to the eShop on one device and you say, I want to buy the Universal DLC. And they literally show you a screen that says, you're going to download the DLC on this console now, but you got to take note of this code, like on pen and paper or something, and then you got to put this code manually into the other console to start the download. And that's totally insane. This makes perfect sense to me. Not as a functional thing, (laughs) but as a what's going on. What this is, is people inside of Nintendo that are fighting within the constraints of the system that they have to try and give a good customer experience. Yeah. But fundamentally, if their system doesn't support cross-buy, which it doesn't, 
right? Because they don't have the functionality of understanding what purchases you've bought um, or what purchases you have. They can't do the system. So the only way they can do it is they will generate redeem codes that you put in. And the only way you can do it is that way. And just Ridi- to... I'm surprised they don't mail you a piece of paper or something, you know. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. It's terrible. But this is this is them trying, they're forcing, dragging themselves into the twenty first century or wherever we are. Basically. And just try to imagine the insanity of a parent who wants to set up a Nintendo console for his kid. And compare that to what you get on on, on the app store. Family sharing family controls, restrictions, a unified Apple ID, you can control what you download, what your kids download, you can grant permissions, you can re-download at any time. Most games back up their saved data in iCloud. They have game server integration, so all your stuff is always synced across devices. And there's basically, at this point, in eight years after the launch of the App Store, there's really little risk of losing your games. I mean, you really need to try. But if you just pay attention, if you use the system stuff, you're going to be fine when you set up a new iPad or a new iPhone or even a new iPod Touch. God bless the iPod Touch. But if you really want to use an iPod Touch, you can put games on there. And you can put the App Store and you just uh, re-download everything and everything's free. You don't need to put codes and stuff. You just hit download and everything's already there and your kids is happy. And this, do is, that. this is what <laughs> Dina's for, right? This is what they're here to do, in theory. Hopefully. That's, that's the idea, right? That they are going to build a system on which the NX sits atop. And the more we think about this, the more that I consider that the NX is the whole strategy. That's what I wanted to get. Yeah. It's everything. Um, it's infrastructure. It's home console. And I believe, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think it's also the next handheld console. It's one thing. What I really want to see in the NX, okay for bigger, better graphics, okay for, uh, you know, if they want to save the gamepad feature and maybe better marketing, of course, they need that. But really a unified system. Like, make give me a single Nintendo universe, like a Nintendo store, whatever, and I go there and everything is there. All my portable games, all my DLCs, all my messages, my community stuff. I just feel like if you want to have a Nintendo experience on these consoles today, you need to read the manual and it shouldn't be this way. And so when you you go to people and you say, you want to play Nintendo games, but you gotta do this and this to migrate from a Nintendo Wii to the Wii U, they'd be like, nothing, yeah, whatever. Nothing I tells this story better than the 3DS transfer. Oh my god. It was yeah. so terrible. Yeah, nothing nothing tells Nintendo's problems better than that system of trying to trying to you spend all this money on a new console and then just trying to get your games on it requires a screwdriver. Yes. In 2015. Yes. You know? Yes. And also not it's just crazy. any type of screwdriver. Like a special not, one. Yeah, it's not one you have in your house. I had to call up my dad and ask yep. about the screwdriver. I had because... to buy one on Amazon. Like it's, <laughs> you know, if I didn't know about this in advance, I would have had to have waited a couple of days before I could play the console that had just been delivered to me. So my my feeling is that Nintendo is in a situation where they need to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And this choice is third parties. So my my opinion on this, my feeling about this is they have two choices. 
they either create a console which is comparable in power to the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. It's not impossible. Those companies do it. There's no reason why Nintendo shouldn't be able to do this. Uh, and it, they will also need to change their infrastructure um, and the development tools that they use. They'll need to like, use Unity and stuff like that. All right? Really go in, all in. Create the architecture that's required for pe- for like for to- for like uh, Tomb Raider to be on the Nintendo, for Batman to be on the Nintendo. You go down that route, or they create a platform which is so compelling, so exciting. It does something that's really cool, like and it remains very Nintendo-like. And that's why I think you know you create uh, one. It's like the whole Nintendo stack, right? You build a game, and it can run on the iPhone, it can run on the NX handheld, and it can run on the NX console, right? There's some way that they all link together. I know I'm talking kind of stuff that maybe isn't even possible, but you know, you kind of get in my meaning, I think. You, so you've got to make a choice. You're either going to go in, all in, and then actually try and bring the third-party devs back, which means you have to adopt the tools that other consoles use, or you create something that's so compelling on its own that people will be flocking to develop, because Nintendo has to fix their third-party issue. Yeah. They cannot live on their own games alone. They just can't. They can't live on their own games forever. No. and They're the best types of Nintendo games, but there isn't enough of them. And Especially because, you know, when when it's all in Nintendo games, you start to... Maybe you start to lose the magic because it's just Nintendo games. Instead, Nintendo games should be gems, you know? Yeah. should be yep. like... Every once in a while, there's a Nintendo game, and there's the expectation and the anticipation for a Nintendo game. And instead, it's just Nintendo games, and you start to kind of, I wouldn't say lose value, but it becomes less of an event, maybe. Yeah, but like maybe you want to play Call of Duty, right? Yeah, Maybe that's a game that you want to play, but you own a Wii U, so you can't. That is an issue. That's a problem, yeah. I feel like... To, to to conclude, basically, the, the way that I feel is there's magic in Nintendo still. Yep, I agree. But magic requires structure. And Nintendo doesn't have the structure any, anymore. And they really need to rebuild everything. Strategy, infrastructure, uh, online components, the console, marketing, all from the ground up. And they can do that. It's they're not dummies, you know. It's a big company. Smart people work there. They have a so, company behind the most successful games console of all time. Yes, so they're know. not stupid. They just need to be willing to change. Yeah. And and I feel like could be a cultural thing. Could be you know Nintendo is very uh, is a company with very deep roots. Maybe in the passing, you know, tradition and stuff, but. You know, tradition is okay, but it shouldn't dictate your future. And that's, I feel like in many cases, that's what they've been doing these past I, few years. I really like that, that, what you said there about dictate, it shouldn't dictate your future. That's a really nice way of looking at it. But I do have faith in them. Yeah. I, I do. I have faith because we're hearing all of the right things from them right now. Yes. Yes. And when you play Nintendo games, even today with all these problems, and you see. When you play the game and you feel, you know, you feel the magic. You feel the care for the details. It's just, it's just having like a really great meal in the middle of the desert. You know. Yeah. 
you can really enjoy that at some point. You need more. You need better environment. And I feel like we need a better environment for Nintendo. Like my feeling about this is these are people that love to make video games and I hope that they are in the understanding now that if they don't change, they don't get to make video games anymore. Yeah, that's you know? that's my biggest concern. Yeah. Cuz they're not they're not in bad trouble, but then it no. signs aren't good. Yeah. You know. They're it, not it, they're not, you know, doomed. It's not like on on the, on the verge of going bankrupt. It's just But they're on that path. There are issues. Because Big, they've been losing money issues. for a yes. long time. Losing losing money is not good. And you can do that for, for a few years, but not forever, not for many years. And not, you know, without signs of, you know, fighting back. And they yep. should fight back. Especially because the time that they're losing money is at a time when they actually shouldn't be losing money, which is we have a new console. Yeah, exactly. Like, eventually you need to make money from that, and they kind of haven't. So they need to fix mm -hmm. that. Maybe maybe they'll be able to write off the entire Wii U experience as a big, uh, you know, educational like, yeah. experience. <laughs> I Let's hope. hope. Because that's pretty much all it's been. Yes. Because they, they haven't made money from the console. They they have seen everything they can do wrong. Now, <laughs> now hopefully they can do, you know, better. I do wonder if there is a story in business oh. like this before. The company owned it all. And then mm -hmm. just let it slip away, but like so bad, and yeah. so, like because it happens, right? You know, like Microsoft or whatever. But Microsoft are still doing fine, but yeah. Nintendo are not. Very strange. I mean, very publicly so. You know, after the Wii and the DS, they were huge. To do this bad, I mean, not so bad that they closed down the company, but so clearly wrong. It's I don't know. It's interesting to to maybe one day there'll be a book about this whole five oh, there years. There will be. There will be. Yeah. You should write it. Um, I have a couple of things. Cool. That I went to Tell mention me. to you. Tell me your things, Mike. So the Mario Maker sets are on sale now. Okay. Um, and I haven't bought one yet, but I'm probably going to. There is a from the Nintendo official store, of course. There's fifty pounds. It gets you a T-shirt, which is awesome. Uh, the book. Like the Super Mario Maker book. Yes. The uh, Amiibo, the 8-bit Amiibo in the game. This is a lot of stuff. For £50, it's a great deal. £50, what's like? 70 euros? Something like that, yeah. I, I want it. I do want it. I probably will get it. You just point. love your nerdy t-shirts. Like. Well, I have too many of them. But <laughs> I would, again, I would, I like the t-shirt, but I would forego the t-shirt, but. I don't think I've got that choice, but yeah. So that's all on sale now. Again, listen to me, guys and girls. Go to the official Nintendo store. Buy there, you get much better deals. Wow, wow, the T-shirt is really nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. Go to the UK Nintendo store because Mike well, knows that. I assume magic. that the that in your own region they're doing it. You know, like wherever they because I'm sure that Nintendo sell direct everywhere. Um, oh yeah, right. Yeah. I only buy games from them direct now because you just get so much more for your money. The and they, they always deliver on release day, sometimes beforehand. So how good is the amiibo? In it's this cool, right? My God, it's I I want all my desk full of these amiibo figurines. Yep. So I will oh, be God. getting this at some point. Uh, I will probably get that that package as well. So you will become a Mario maker yourself. Sure seems like it, buddy. Sure mm -hmm. seems like it. Mm -hmm. I see. I'm looking at my shelf now, and I see two amiibo up there. And, I only uh, see one, which is Marth. 
I think over time that's going to get a bit more full. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the games you've been playing this week. So I have completed the main story of Arkham Knight. Oh, already? Yeah. Nice. Uh, there's so much more to go. There's actually, there's, it's kind of. I'm not going to say too much because you could really spoil this game. Uh, there are like two endings, mm-hmm. like not alternate endings, but you get to one point and there's an ending, and then you have to get to a second point and there's another ending. And I've not got to that second point yet. This game, Federico, is so good. It's so good. I don't know if I've played a story so good. You That's have very, to have, very high praise from you. Yeah, a lot of people are saying this, though. Um, you have to have an understanding of Batman for it to really hit home mm-hmm. uh, because it, it really delves into him as a character and does some so interesting stuff. And all of the things that I really love, I can't talk about because they're huge spoilers. Um, maybe I'll talk about them in a few weeks' time like you did with The Last of Us, but I don't want to do it yet because it's still a bit early on in the game's life. Mm-hmm. But if you have an Xbox or a PlayStation and you even know a little bit about Batman, you should get this game. It's just fantastic. And again, like you you have to have an idea of what... Cause this is the, the final game in a trilogy of games. And mm-hmm. I've played each of them, but not to completion. So I have an idea of what's going on. But they do a pretty good job of explaining the story in like not too like overly like obvious terms. You know, like you can see something that's happened... And they mention offhand what has happened in the previous game, and you can kind of pick it up as you go. But this is just top to bottom an excellent game. Like, just so good. It's the best game I've played this year. Hmm. Wow. There's a reason that it's getting the reviews it's getting. It's not perfect. There are things about it that, that frustrate me. Um, some of the character development stuff is a bit weird in places, but overall it's just it's just superb i've it's one of those you know again one of those games where when i'm not playing it i want to be playing it and i a story that like i'm like oh i'll play for an hour and then four hours go by because i just can't put it down it's excellent really really excellent now i want to play it again great game federico nice i also have a couple of iphone games that i've been playing that i think you might like uh there's one called 1010 with an exclamation mark which is a really weird... It's difficult to explain. It's You have a grid, um, and you have Tetris pieces that you have to place on the grid and create lines, like in Tetris, mm-hmm. but they don't fall. You just get them at the bottom, and you have to drag and drop them onto the grid to try and create lines, and you can create lines in any direction. Mm. So it's an interesting little puzzle game to play. Um, that I think fans of Tetris will enjoy because there are enough similarities to it. Um, it's a fun little game. I su- I would recommend it. It's a free game and you can pay like a couple of dollars to remove ads, which I like that kind of model. Um, mm-hmm. So you can try 10, it out. 1010. 1010. 1010. Down the Mountain is another game. Oh, this game. is the Cuber-like one. It's Crossy Road Cuber. Okay. So you are jumping down the mountain like in Cuba. You like... Ch- tap left and right and he jumps down the little isometric mountain there are a million different types of obstacles it's very confusing but i think that's the intention of the game you know it's Mm -hmm. meant to be like so much craziness is going on and you're not going to make it you know that's kind of the idea there are like 20 different types of things that you can step on that make you die you know um which is whilst that sounds crazy it's kind of the point you know if that makes sense like it's meant to be tough 
Um, and there are stars that you collect, which obviously allow you to uh, get new characters. Hmm. You know, this it's, looks it, really. I mean, I'm looking at the screenshots. It looks looks nice. It's fun. It's a nice little game. You know, it is like that. It's that Crossy Road style, um, yeah. which I think we're going to see a ton more of now because that yeah. game made a gajillion dollars. Yes. Um, but I'm I welcome it because these types of games are made really nicely by people that seem to care. Um, so I'm I'm up I'm on board of it. I like it. It's a fun game. I think you should try it out. Cool. Yeah. I'm going um, to the App Store later and downloading all these games. The last game is called Alpha Bear. Oh, yes, I saw this one on Twitter also. Yeah, it's made by Spry Fox, who created Tiny Town. And it's a word game. Um, again, similar types of thing, because you collect coins, coins unlock different characters, different characters have different abilities. Um, and they're like different power-ups and stuff. Oh, these uh, are so cute. Yeah, so mm. this is another nice little game. And you have to, um, you have to create words... Um, by tapping on tiles, right? So you tap on tiles to create words. And if you create words that are around your bear, your bear gets bigger and bigger and takes up more of the screen. And that's the idea. You have to make the bears as big as they can be um, without the letters expiring. If I think if after three turns, if you haven't selected a letter, it turns into a rock, and then the rock prevents the bear from growing. Mm. The bigger the bear is, once you finish the game, the more points you have. Nice. Really cute characters. Yeah. I like, I like the design. it. I like Feels it. Feels like like a bear version of Freeze. In a, yeah. In a way. <laughs> yeah, it's got that kind of style to it. So I think yeah. I'm going to be playing a little bit more of this as I continue to play Freeze every single day. <laughs> really? Yeah. Every day. Every day I play it. That's really dedication to the. And class, I've played like... it. I mean, you know, there might be a little like there might be a day here or there where I don't play it, but. That you is, really feel bad on those days. No, 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 no. That, <laughs> that that's a weird thing for me not to play. I, I, I'm serious. I've played threes pretty much every single day since it came out. Wow, it's, okay. it's it's one of my favorite games of all time. That's that. I I had no idea. Yep, I love that game. You know, one of the reasons I like it is because it is threes. Is it is a simple game that I can play whilst I'm doing other things. Because yeah, it doesn't it, take brain power. So that's why I play it so often. You know, I might be editing or I might be like on a call or something like that. And you, I can just play threes as a way to occupy my like eyes and hands. and Your other hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and there's no timer, so there's nope. no rush. Yeah, nope. yeah, yeah I totally game. get that. Yeah, I like it a lot. Nice. So they're my games, Federico. That's what I've been playing. Very, very nice, Mike. I gotta, I gotta go to the App Store and download Alpha Bear because I need to try it. You should, and also get um, down the mountain down and the ten mountain. ten. All yep. these, all these Mike Mike picks should be a, a section on the App Store. You try all these iPhone games, and then you 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 tell me what are the best ones. That's pretty much what I do anyway. So yeah, it should be more official. I feel like it should be like you, you should become a curator, Mike. Oh, I like that. I could be a curator. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> cool. You got anything else for me today? Uh no no cool. Mike I think no. I think we were, were cool as as Excellent. they say I'm seeing I'm googling now to for, to bring up the uh, the app stores to put the, the like the links to the app store to put in the notes and mm-hmm. I'm seeing an Evernote Google ad an Evernote where it's showing it's an Evernote ad three related results in your notes 
Oh, you got the extension. Is it Google Chrome? Yeah. You're using Google Chrome. So Evernote for Google Chrome has the ability to kind of plug results into the Google search page. Well, that's been dismissed forever because I don't want to. Did you have a note about these games in Evernote? No. Mm. There's nothing about it at all. It's showing me stuff that makes no sense to me. But that's Probably weird. Sim- similar words, right? But similar it's not... words, like games. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Apps. <Okay>. Apps. <laughs> that's so so handy, so useful, right? Well, I've I've looked for ten ten, and it's showing me a note about the Plex Nine Media Center. Oh sure, I mean, and, it makes sense, right? And the Pitchfork Music Festival. Such productivity for you, Mike. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> Hi, hi, hi. Anyway, if you want to find the show notes for this week without Evernote suggestions, go to relay.fm slash virtual slash 44. If you want to find us online, Federico's at Viticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. And we'll be back next time. Thanks so much to Igloo for the support this week. And thank you for listening. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. <laughs>